What's up, guys? We're halfway through the week, and the week of the WGT closest to the whole challenge is quickly coming to an end. I've seen a couple of scores out there ranging from inside 10 feet to someone submitted a score of over a thousand yards away, I think it was. Which is not quite the point, but honestly, also impressive. Honestly impressive, yeah, not going to lie. But hey, it, it counts for the grand prize raffle either way, so get in there. The World Golf Tour is the name of the game. It's one of the best golf apps out there. To play, go to FreeWGT.com to download. Again, FreeWGT.com. That's where you have to download the game if you want to participate in this little grand prize winning thing we're doing here. For the week, you can win a free DNVR shirt or a gift card to a local restaurant. All you have to do once you download the game is go to the closest to the whole challenge. This week's course is Kiowa Island, and we are playing the sixth hole of the challenge. That is the sixth hole in order, not hole number six. The challenge doesn't matter order. The sixth one that you play. Get it as close to the hole as you can. The closest to the hole will win the week and get that free shirt or gift card. And everyone who submits, even if you don't get it that close, still send in your score because you'll be entered into the grand prize. To submit, take a screenshot once you've played the hole and have your score. Send it in to info at thednvr.com or add us on Twitter, DNVR Avalanche, to get your scores in. And at the end of the week, we'll announce the winner. And at the end of all of this, you'll have a chance to win tickets to an Avs game or a jersey of your choosing if you live out of state, which is still the best price in the whole thing. So if you're out of state, get in on this. FreeWGT.com, Keough Island, hole number six. Win it while you can before AJ gets a hole in one because he secretly just spends every waking minute of his life playing this game. I know it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not, I mean, I sleep. Okay, sleep and, and play WGT. And, and there it. are other things that I do too, but I mean, <laughs> I might have spent some time on it. <laughs> Well, I'm bad at this hole, too. Yeah, like, the well, closest I've gotten is eight feet. I know. I can't get it anywhere closer. We were going easy on you with the holes one, two, and three. Now you got to go through five holes to get to this bad boy. Right. It, it takes some doing. I tell you, I'm pretty good at some of those other ones. You're right. <laughs> those other holes that I've within three feet of. Yeah, time. I'm like, all right, I'm pretty good at these, <laughs> but that, that the one that we're doing this week, not good at that hole. Well, that opportunity to beat the both of us then, since I'm never good, but let's go ahead and jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. The main account. Dancing and retweeting the main account. If you're watching already, you beat the traffic. Welcome to the show going to retweet to my little jingle until we actually start for real. Okay, whatever whatever you took before the show, you got to share next time? Yeah, I don't I took not enough sleep before the show, so. It's two nights in a row. Yeah. Struggling. Last night, last night I straight up 
middle of the night. It was like 5 a.m. I woke up pitch black in my room, and I was – I mean, I'm just talking. But, okay, I can talk into the mic for you. The world needs to know. I was I was turned all the way around, upside down, in my bed, and I had kicked everything what? off of my bed. What? And I was, like, my phone, my switch, my glasses – all on the floor, which I normally put, like, in the corner of my bed, and I sleep on the other half of it. And, like, what in the world is going on? My pillows, my blankets, everything were on the, was on the floor. And I was upside down. Like, where my feet normally are is where my head was. And I and in my, my room was, like, pitch black. And I was like, what is going on here? AJ's got some sleep demons Dude, or something. Dude, it was crazy. I do not know what I was dreaming about. I... Normally, I talk about hockey in my sleep, <laughs> but I don't know what that was all about. It was wild, though. I woke up and was like, what is going on in here? All right. Well, with that, welcome in <laughs> to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by yes. The Green Solution. With that. <laughs> you can visit any one of The Green Solution's 17 Colorado locations to maybe help yourself avoid whatever it was AJ was dealing with at night. You can also use their MyGreenSolution.com online checkout to be in and out in minutes and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I should try an edible or two. And there see, you go. And see if maybe I can sleep a little a little calmer. At least stay horizontal, vertical in your yeah, bed, Yeah, I, I mean, guess. at least stay on the right side of the bed. <laughs> All right, well. I thought it was weird like a week ago when I woke up and I was like dangling off the side of the bed. Yeah, but, I mean... That's not that weird. But, I mean, like, the, it happens. Yeah. You don't wake up with your head on the bottom very often. Right. Like, you don't. I turned all the way around. What, what you doing in your sleeps? <laughs> well, maybe you were thinking about how bad the Calgary Flames were based on our last podcast. I mean, I have been thinking about it. <laughs> it, has been, it has been something I've been thinking about because I came into the season, like, thinking, like, this is a solid hockey team. Mostly because Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan have been great for a long time. Elias Lindholm was a revelation last year. And, like, I I was buying. Yep. I, I didn't expect Mark Giordano to, re- to repeat that performance, but... Everything else seems sustainable. I thought sustainable. he'd still be yeah. solid. Right. You know, and he's gone from a point-per-game player last year to, like... He's got like ten points this yeah, year, it's, and it's it, like half point per game type area. Like, what is this, dude? It's just not. It's just not. It's not very good, man. They, they and watching them last night, I was like, these guys kind of suck. They kind of did. Like, I going back through the game in my review, I was like, this team is kind of just bad. Yeah, they don't play good hockey. Like, well, and like you consider the success. I mean that that Nachushkin, Comfort, and Kamenev put up a highlight reel goal yep. as the game winner. Is like, y'all should feel bad about yourselves. <laughs> you gave Nachushkin his second point of the season. Kamenev his first goal of the season. Right. Like, this bottom six dudes making you look bad. <laughs> and, like, that's not to say that bottom six guys can't produce, but, like, made him look bad. It was it was not like a grinded out tough goal. Like they played tic-tac-toe, pass pass I mean, pass. Even going the Zadorov didn't get an assist on the play, but he broke it out to right. Nuke and then And and it came after he erased Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, he right. just was like, "All right, you're off the puck yeah. now. Don't mind me. I'm just going to take it and go." And that Gaudreau was like, "Okay, I guess I'll get off the ice now." Yeah. And all of a sudden it was a 3 on 2. I I don't know if it's 
Bill Peters or if the Avs just emotionally broke whatever they had going on last year. We talked about going into the uh, the playoffs last year. Like one of the one of the big talking points we had going into that series, you know, Jesse and I had was that everything went Calgary's way last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything broke their way. They didn't have any major injuries. They didn't have any major losing streaks. They just kind of hummed along and had a 100-point season. They were the 13-14 abs. It, I mean. Better than them. But. Right. Like, they, they definitely earned a lot more of what they got last year than but that But they were still who, catching but, every break. Right. But, like, they, you know, that was, they were a good hockey team. And, but, but yeah, they they faced no adversity. And then they show up in the playoff. They they shut out the abs in game one. And you're like, oh, this is, I guess they're just going to keep rolling. And then the abs straight up punched them in the mouth. And Mike Smith was the only reason that series was even kind of close. Right. And Calgary has never been the same since. And their approach to the offseason, we talked about last night, their approach, the lesson that they learned from the, the series with the abs was, oh, we got punched in the mouth. We aren't tough enough to punch back. It was not. The problem is the abs were punching them in the mouth with skill. Right. And and so, like, this is what we wanted to start with today. Yeah. Is lessons learned from the postseason. Because if you look at, like, different teams, different organizations take different approaches to what they've learned from their failures in a season. You look at what did San Jose learn from not winning the cup again? Nothing. They, they they ran it back the exact same way kept they kept on keeping on. Yeah, they lost all the guys in free agency that they couldn't afford. They brought back the biggest gun, biggest, most expensive guns. You could probably make an argument right now that they would be better off with the combination of like Nyquist and Donskoy. And I mean, I can guarantee you they'd be better off with Pavelski still there. And but. and Pavelski, so those three guys instead of Eric Carlson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we knew that the second they signed Carlson to the extension. And it's not even like Carlson's been bad. Brent Burns is the C, is the bad one there. But, like, Carlson just has not been the same transcendent player. And you have to be when you're making $11.5 million. Right. He's been very good, but he has not been transcendent. And he has to. you have to be an elite, elite, elite of the elite. Yep. And he just has not quite been that guy. And, and I just think that it's – San Jose learned nothing. Right. And what did the Avs learn from losing to San Jose? We're not deep enough. Yep. We've got to go out and we've got to get more skill and we've got to get uh, we've got to shore up the bottom of our roster. We got out depth hard in that series and we got exposed when the the big guns stopped producing at yep. the end of that series. So they go out, you get Burkowski, you get Donskoy, you get Belmar to be to be your fourth line guy. You know, like you you learned. It well, Everyone learns something from their playoff runs. I think it's right. just a matter of are you learning the correct thing? And I think I think right now early returns show that Sackick and, and his front office did a good job. They, they they targeted players that they could get. They targeted players that fit, and they drew their lines in the sand financially that I think are all very fair. Is anybody? I I know that people were there were some voices out there that were unhappy that Jonas Donskoy got. Three point nine million for four years. Anybody have any problem with that right now? I sure hope not. Burakovsky for a guy that's a on quarter. a fifty point pace. His qualifying offer at three point two five. People were complaining about that. Yeah, it's crazy. And 
and right now you'd be you'd be lucky to get him under six million dollars yeah. on an extension. Should should his projected season continue? Continue, yeah. of course. It's it is very interesting because I do think Joe Sackick as a GM deserves a lot of credit for learning the job on the fly pretty darn quickly. Uh, I think there was a really strong lesson of how not to do it. There was when he got there, and he was he and Waugh were kind of let's be in this mode, and then he it was like these two year deals, sure, just kill you. But how many GMs do you see just never learn that lesson and just continue running a team into the ground? The the really I think the big thing, Sackick deserves a ton of credit, and I'm not looking to take that away. But I also think that the other guy that deserves a lot of credit in this case is Josh Kroenke. Sure. Because he could have looked at a 48-point season, an embarrassment of a season. And said, blow it up. And said, everybody's fired. Yeah. Every single one of you is fired. And then none of this happens. Yeah, it's true. But And instead, he said, look, we believe in Joe. We believe in the vision. We believe in what they're doing. We think that they're going to get this right and they're going to turn it around. And I think that since then, since the end of the 48-point season, what would you say are the biggest mistakes the Avs have made, transaction-wise? Derek Broussard. See, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. And, like, that's you, not gave so up, bad, yeah. you gave up a third-round pick for a deadline rental. And, and, like, it's not a huge thing, but you got a sixth in return. Right. It wasn't even, like, a straight pick dump. You got a pick back. Because you didn't make the mistake of re-signing him after he didn't fit. It's still a bad trade. Ad- and Agreed. I do think that the biggest question about Joe Sackick is, is he going to figure out how to buy at the deadline? Because he is, that is something he has been terrible at so yeah. far through his GMing career. I would say the trade deadline as a whole. Sure, not on, even the, just, on the not selling even side too. Buying, yeah, but selling fair. like... Maybe his best sell trade was Nick Holden for a fourth. And that was in the offseason. So. Yeah. It was on like the. I, I was in a movie when that happened, <laughs> thinking I was safe. And I walked out of that movie and Nick, Nick Holden was a ranger. Like, yep. All right. One of the Avs' best defensemen, if you believe Patrick Waugh. But. Well, and you know, he got a lot of flack for that quote, but he wasn't wrong. If you go back and you look at that defense. The like, Avs' defense was, was just real bad. It was like EJ, <laughs> and it was Barry, and it was like Holden, and then a bunch of guys who were out of the NHL now. Yeah, that's true. So it was not like we got we gave him flack for that. We're like, oh, Patrick Waugh doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he wasn't. He ended up not being wrong. For all the wrong reasons. But <laughs> Sure. But like, you know, point is, is that. Sakic has done a good job, and I think that what we've what we've seen is that, and this is a couple of years. You know, they went and they got Matt Calvert, and we've been very critical of them buying up a quality bottom six. Yep. But, and and their inability to develop it. But they had the cap space, they had the room, they had the ability to go and buy it, and now that they know what it looks like. Now that they they know what it's like to have one of these these groups that, of their own, it should be much easier for them to develop their own, right? Because they're not going to be fumbling around in the dark quite as much. They're going to okay. These are the qualities that we're looking for. They were able to identify them in in guys who are already established. Now they just need to prove that they can develop their own, so that when Matt Calvert is a free agent, you don't pay another three and a half million dollars to keep him. When Matt Nieto is a free agent at the end of this season, you don't. 
pay the three million dollars it will right. likely cost. The right overpay now. that it that it is. It's still an overpay, right. but it's when it's a manageable overpay, you make it work. And yeah, when it becomes not a manageable overpay, now that they have it, you can say, Martin Cow, here's what Matt Nieto does. Right. This is what we need out of you to make the NHL. Right. It'll look a little different. It you will, know, but I mean, he's not going to fly around the ice at a million miles an hour. Well, but, he's not. He's not going to fight people. But if you're looking for defensive responsibility, right, a good two way player. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I, I think that you can easily make the argument that they have those guys in place in the organization I today. I absolutely think they do. Yeah. Between, I mean, Belmar, you replace with Bowers because I don't think Kamenev is, is no, long term. I if Kamenev is long term. For the team, it means they've traded Tyson Jost or something, and Kamenev is playing 3C. Right. Um, Belmar to Bowers is super easy one-to-one swap out for yeah. me. Uh, then Kaut is Kaut's a bit interesting. It depends on things. I think he could replace what Colin Wilson does in a lot of ways. Yeah. But again, so can Tyson Jost. I, I mean, I think he can. I think he will be. <laughs> I think. I think Kaut's likeliest career path right now is probably Colin Wilson. Um. I wonder about the the offense a little bit. I do think Cow- I I think the this this version of Colin Wilson where you're like 30 35 points. Fair. Yeah. I'm not looking at it like he's going to I'm I'm the 20 goal Colin Wilson season. Long gone. <laughs> should never have even happened for Colin Wilson. Fair. All right. But yeah, that that's we kind of touched on it last episode where we said the abs have the reload ready. Yeah. And they really, they do. It's it's not only that. It's beyond that. They have Nick Henry, who, by the way, is killing it in the AHL so far this year. He's, I think it's five or six points now, which is only Connor Timmons has more for mm-hmm. a, an abs prospect down there. Who should be on the abs, by the way. Straight up. He should be in the NHL right now. If you want to sit someone for taking too many penalties, Timmons is right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Avs really do have the pool to replace pieces as they need in in bottom six with young talent. Right, and and I think what they've done well is that they've avoided the long term commitments to guys they don't need to commit long term to. Yeah, you know they've got the they've got Gerard and Donskoy and Comfer on multi year deals. Obviously, Miko and McKinnon are also hanging around. Um, we fully expect this upcoming summer that Grubauer and Landeskog and if, the conversations at least there, yeah. And if they are willing, to, uh, if his camp is willing to Makar, all yep. of those guys will all be having very real long term conversations. Yep. Um, that's you know that's the core of your team, but I think they did a good job of learning their lessons from the playoff loss and saying, okay, we've got to get deeper. We've got to get more effective. You need legitimate auxiliary pieces. Yeah, and you know we we were talking about this in Slack uh, last night that you have to have a bottom six. You you, you can't just be a top heavy team. Those guys play half the game. Right. Like your top line last year played way too much at like 22, 23, 24 minutes a night. At the end of the season, it was like 25. Six. Yeah. yeah, like it was way too much. And well, and it's just... And that's not even happening. Over the yet. course of an 82-game season, you know, every game you can play McKinnon 18 minutes instead of 23. 
he's going to be a little bit fresher. Right. You hit game 60, and he's not wearing down. You hit game 82, right. and he's not coming into those playoffs already dinged up. It's because it's we saw him kind of slow down at the end of the last season where you know he was, he was hurt at the end of the San Jose series, and the, the wear and tear just yeah. catches up to you. You're only human. Right. And that, that war of attrition is a big part of winning a Stanley Cup. And so all of those things that they're able to do now serve to build towards the ability to, to handle that physically. You go out and you, I mean, it's a great point. You play him, you, if you're able to get away with McKinnon at 19, 20 minutes a night during the regular season, then during the during a cup final, He's you empty the to tank, play man. Yeah, yeah, you empty the tank. You've got no reason to, to hold back. You are where you are. Yeah, it's... It's ide- It's an ideal situation that the Avs can put themselves in to maintain the auxiliary pieces, even with moving cogs going on there. And I can definitely drink to the Avs locking up their core as well. So it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, Vanna White style for the nice. live show. They are a great beer company. I don't know how else to put it. I, I recommend all of their beers on every single show, but... Middle of the week, it's always time to acknowledge the fact that they named a beer the Avalanche. Just fits too well with the Colorado Avalanche and the Avs podcast. I should really recommend it on every single show because they serve it at the Pepsi Center even. Avalanche, Avalanche, Avalanche. Everybody wins. It's also a really good beer. It's just a a standard amber, and that's one of my favorite types of beers. I prefer the, the little bit darker notes that it has in it, and I... I obviously I'm a big beer drinker. I'm having one on the show at before noon today on a Wednesday. So you lush. <laughs> I'll take that. You need I'll, to reconsider your life. If this is my life, I'm I'm living a good one. I think. <laughs> I will reconsider nothing, AJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I am very happy with my choices to be having a Breck brew at work at eleven thirty if my work is cool with it. So uh yeah. I mean, there's a fridge full of it here. So I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there will be no judgment in this <laughs> office. But either way, even if you're not having it at work on a Wednesday before noon, you can go to your local liquor store, find a Breckenridge brew that you will like, whether it's the Avalanche, the Strawberry Sky, the Hot Peak. The, there's a million other ones. They do. Vanilla Porter. Yeah, Vanilla Porter, there you go. Their Christmas ale is, is starting to hit more shelves now as well. So Yeah, I was at the grocery store last night, and there was a huge display of it. And nice. It like, I just wanted to like prop myself up on <laughs> it and be like, everybody come buy this. <laughs> Should have hit them. Give them the Insta pick. That's right. <laughs> you right. can also keep an eye on the DNVR.com and our Breckenridge event calendar. It's tomorrow night now, the, the Nuggets live pod at Blake Street Tavern. There will be Breck Brew there as well. I'm disappointed to have to miss that. I know. The Avs play the same night, which is yeah. unfortunate. But yeah. it'll be a good time. December 1st, I think, is the Broncos tailgate. Free Breck Brew at that one. Get it. Trust me. It's, even if you don't want to come for the beer, just come for the party because it's an awesome time. Everybody that's gone to one has raved about it. Yeah, exactly. It's with Sons of Mile High. So if you know the tailgate scene, you know they're ballers. All right. Second segment of the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I wanted to talk about Jared Bednar. This is spurred on by the fact that he's getting inducted into the ECHL Hall of Fame, which whoop-de-doo. I mean, a lot of success. 
He's won at every pro level in North America. So you remember he won a he he won a championship in the ECHL yep. as a player. Yep. And then as a coach with the with the Stingrays. Yep. He won it both ways there. He went on to the AHL where he won a Calder Cup in Columbus's organization. And then got hired by the Evs. And yeah, now he's in the big show trying to win the big prize. You know what? I checked last night. Six games below yeah, 500. Yeah, I know. He's been below 500 his entire NHL career. <coughs> and that's yeah, but so he's, sad. He's close. Yeah, he's, he's almost close, he's, he's close to digging himself out of the sixty game hole that he dug himself yeah, the first the year. Sixteen seventeen hole is almost entirely erased. Matt, it's taken multiple playoff runs, but to get there, yeah, right. The and this team, they were what eight nine games over five hundred last year, was it? Something like I that. I forget the exact record, but yeah, it, it's so. <clears throat> Do not. When people are looking back on Jared Bednar's record, they're going to be shocked with how many losses he has as a coach because of that first year. Yeah. But. I mean, 60 losses in the first year versus 20 wins. That is a. It's. That is insane. Long. It is truly. You see all that gray hair on his head. Go look at how non-gray it was at the start of the 16-17 You know, it's it's actually insane if you go back and you look at Wah his first year. Yeah. And then you look at Wah's and last year, <laughs> and he's like a silver fox, right? <laughs> and you go look at you look at Bedner in year, in year one, and then you look at Bedner now, and you're just like, something about being an yeah, NHL coaching head coaching is some high-pressure stuff. Yeah, this it takes years off of your life. But I, I, I do want to get into this because... Obviously, the Avs have been injury riddled. We've talked about it. We've talked about the players stepping up. Mm-hmm. We have not talked about Jared Bednar managing this situation as the head coach. And I it, I struggle to make out how much of this is Bednar working with things. Well, the, and we always will. Right, of course. Because you never really fully know where coaching stops and playing starts. Yeah. It's, I mean... You can't draw a straight line there. You can't coach Nathan McKinnon to just dunk on everyone. He's just going to do that. Although he didn't do that before Jared Bednar. That's true. So, is Bednar's systems opening that up? I mean, you're getting into Bednar's a bigger relationship with him. Also possible. The removal of other players from the locker room that he deferred to? But, I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, this is the thing with McKinnon. Right. Pick something. <laughs> right. You can make an argument for all the things that we've just listed, plus more. You know, oh, he got he got Miko. Well, uh, based on the last five or so games, it don't matter if he got Miko or not. Miko, who? Yeah, <laughs> it's been insane to watch. But like we know, we've seen sustained two two full seasons yeah. of success, right? So you know, with with Miko, obviously that's like a a known thing. Sure. But it, it's good. <laughs> but it is, you know, we talked about it last night. They, I mean, with Donskoy and now yep. Burakovsky, and they had, what, six, seven games in a row with Matt Calvert there where <laughs> that worked just fine. Well, and I think that's that's the point that leans me toward Bednar is that he's made it work. Yes, there was the down period of the five straight losses, but they were steadily figuring it out, and they've started to figure it out, they started to win, and they've continued to figure out things that have worked for them. Well, and when you talked about, you you remember when they first started the injuries? Yep. Where it was it was Miko, and then it was Landy, and it was like, okay, 
And everybody was complaining about the lines getting jumbled up and him trying to find something that would work, you know, and he's continued to have to do that because on any given day, he doesn't know which guys are available to him. You notice that when they're winning, nobody complains about jumbling lines up and the coach is not at fault for screwing up chemistry anymore because they're succeeding. They're finding they're finding ways to get the job done. How much credit does Bednar get for continuing to work through the lines until because there were a lot of options how quickly do you work your way through them do you try and give each of them two or three games is it obvious that some of these just aren't working even a little bit so you move off of them quickly and then it's the criticism of oh well he does not leaving anything together long enough to actually find chemistry chemistry is a a moving target though it's definitely fluid for sure and and it's it's going to be different for different lines sometimes you have to develop that you know, Matt Calvert talked about it a lot at the beginning of this season. It's, he said, you know, it took me about 10 games last year to, to really feel comfortable in this room and to feel like I was part of this team and that I, w- I started to find chemistry with some of the guys in here. And now everywhere Matt Calvert goes, it's chemistry city, baby. Falls. <laughs> and so it's just it's just a different it's it's different for everybody. And it's different for all the combinations of guys. You've got play styles and skill sets and strengths and weaknesses and personalities all mixed up that are trying to work together and trying to figure it out and when you have the kinds of injury issues that they've had i mean it's a testament that bedner's been able to find that success he you can't you can't look at their where they are in the standings today and not give him a lot of of the the credit i mean just the fact that he managed to line up where five of his six bottom six players, essentially, I guess four, you had Nieto and a sick Pierre-Edouard Belmar against Calgary. And then you had TJ Tynan, mm-hmm. Jason Megna, Logan O'Connor playing in the top six yeah. at time. I guess Megna got the most time on ice, really. But but managing what is a quarter, if not more, of your NHL forward roster as AHL players, well, and then and Kamenev was a healthy scratch until injuries started, right. and when Colin Wilson was fully healthy, Nachushkin was a healthy scratch. Yeah. So it's so you're t- you're talking about you got into forwards 13, 14, 15, 16, and seventeen. Yeah, you are there seventeen forwards deep right now, and they're still and, winning. and they're winning hockey yeah. games. That's absurd. It's it's stupid. So and and against. Teams that are vying for yeah the playoffs I, right. like Vancouver would be in the playoffs today. Of of course they'd be in the playoffs I, today largely because of the extra point that the NHL gave them when they made the bullshit call on Matt Calgary. But I'm not <laughs> going to get into that anymore. <laughs> and Calgary is one point behind Vancouver, who got that free point I, on the bullshit call on Matt Calvert. I actually looked it up last night. Of all of the Avs losses this season. Only one of them is to a team not currently in the playoffs, and that's the Anaheim Ducks. So, because they lost to St. Louis in the playoffs, they lost, they lost to Dallas twice. They in lost the to Dallas twice. They lost and to Arizona yep, in the playoffs, and, and then Florida. Florida in the playoffs, and then Anaheim, not in the playoffs. And they've beaten well. Nashville's not in the playoffs picture anymore, but they've beaten a bunch of teams. In the playoff in, picture. Uh, including beat in regulation Washington. Yeah, the best who, team in the league currently. Yeah. Who so, I think only has three regulation losses. Yeah, they're 13 or they're like 16, 3, and 2 or yeah, something. something. I don't like know. That. It's, it's absurd. But the 
there is no argument for, oh, well, the Avs had an easy schedule to start the season. Uh, no. It's been grueling. They're almost done. Well, I, they're done with the Western Canada part of this road trip, and they went 3-1 and one on it. Mm-hmm. And they're coming into Minnesota, a very beatable team, to potentially go 4-1 and one on a five-game road trip in the middle of November. This is really one of the softer parts of their schedule. It is. The, coming off of this, they face some of the easier teams. You know, Toronto is on a five-game losing streak and is completely melting down in front of our eyes. Yeah. Uh, and, and they have injury issues. And so... You know, that's Saturday's game. And then, you know, next week they get Chicago twice. Yep. Very Edmonton beatable. comes to town, so that will be... If the Avs are a little healthier, it'll be real curious. But... Yeah, I, I would like to see... Yeah, it sucks that they, they get Edmonton again so soon. Right. When they're not going to be 100... They're not even going to be 80% at that point. Yeah, it, it, they'll still be dealing with a lot of stuff. but Yeah, but... Even then, like this will be the softer part of their schedule, and as they start to get healthy, man, I mean, Bednar's done a good job. I think the one the one thing that concerns me, and we haven't even talked about the goal the goalie injuries, yeah, right. Which you just hold you white knuckle, like yeah. there's no other way to you do it. You just have to man. You throw those yeah. guys in there, and you just hope for the best. Yep. The my biggest concern is that the defense is largely healthy, and it's been problematic. It has not been good. Well, we'll get into that in the third segment. But first, do you like watching the Olympics? Have you ever thought of becoming an Olympian yourself? Well, USA Weightlifting provides athletes with an opportunity to continue their athletic career following retirement from football. Their transitional athlete program offers a route to becoming an Olympian. Don't take it from me though. Listen to Daniel, who's been training with USA Weightlifting and says it was the perfect way to get started in the sport. I would totally advise uh somebody to do this transitional athlete program uh it, it's almost like a rubric for them to go off of instead of just kind of learning and uh just trying to start somewhere and not know who to talk to or where to start going into it it's definitely uh, something that if you've never looked at it before never looked at olympic lifting or anything it's very kind of makes you feel nervous going into it definitely go into it full-fledged if i if i did again even if i knew nothing about it so uh you know anybody that's kind of timid about getting started or looking at this definitely dive into it something you might fall in love with always wanted to like represent you know the country in some way or another so this is like the steps and starting that it's just you know honor something that i've been looking at since i was young to try out register at www.usawrecruiting.com today and maybe you'll be their next 2024 olympian Let's get back into it. Yeah. Third segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by the Green Solution and also Breckenridge Brewery, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both great sponsors. Been they with are, us for a long both time. Both have been awesome, awesome. Honestly, almost all the sponsors we've had since I started working here have been great. Like, they, I mean, I can't think of a bad one. But yeah, yeah, no. But they've all like stayed with us for the most part. And, yeah. And, and you know, we. What's what's awesome is that we don't we don't have to fake it. Like right. we, we have awesome sponsors. Their products with are awesome legitimately sweet. Products, yeah. Right. It's, like, it's super I don't, easy. I, I'm not like a natural salesman. I don't, I'm like not that. either. I, I, but it's very easy for us to come onto the show and be like, the green solution is great. There's one right by my house. I get 20% off. I'm like, this is amazing. I go in there and it's perfect. It fits my needs. Breck brew is great. And most of them like my cheesy transitions. So that's, Dude, that's a bonus too. It's the best. <laughs> But something we don't like as much, and we've been overwhelmingly positive over the past couple of episodes, 
So Rudo's going to drop the gavel. This is, it's done. No more fun time. It's time to break up Sam Gerard and Eric Johnson. Just it, period. End dude, of story. It's, it's got to happen. <laughs> it just has to happen. I don't know how I would fix it. Honestly, I've been, I've been trying to think about this because people are like, well, what would you do? And I'm like... Call up Connor Timmons and see how it goes. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Honestly, I would probably go as the door off Johnson. Yeah. Um, Cole McCarr and then Gerard and Graves. Then rotating or whoever door. the sixth is, sure. Honestly, I would, I would go Gerard Timmons. Yeah, I mean, so would I. But And Cole Graves can... You can move those guys around a little sure. bit. And then you could, of course, go with turn and burn if you really wanted to. If you're trailing or whatever, um, yeah. But I I just think that that's that's a fine pairing. I that If you go with Gerard McCarr, that's fine. It doesn't bother me. But sticking with how they operate, I, I don't expect you're not that gonna, to happen. Yeah, yeah. Barring a change in their philosophy, um, the – What's most concerning to me right now about the Gerard EJ pairing is Sam Gerard struggles with the puck. Yeah. And it's not something I expect to continue. I think I we all know he's a better puck mover than what he's shown lately. But it's rough right now for him in the defensive zone, man. You've got to adjust. Yep. You know, they're coming at him with, with a different kind of uh, forecheck, and they're coming at him with multiple guys. And they've they've figured out okay this guy isn't going to panic under pressure with one guy he'll smoke that guy and leave him in the dust and break out on his own, but if we bring a second guy then he struggles a lot more, and he's got to figure it out he's got to adjust but the team has to adjust the forwards have to stay back in support yep they can't fly the zone you know his defensive partner needs to needs to be helping him out a little bit more. You know, and that's that's kind of the problem is that right now they're not bailing each other out of problems. We just see them compound mistakes. You know, yep, the the exactly. Derek Ryan goal last exactly. night. You know, EJ fails the breakout, and then Gerard makes a bad pass behind the net. EJ doesn't make a wholehearted attempt to go and pick it up, and it was just like one mistake, second yep. mistake, third mistake, and then yep. it's in the back of your net, and you're just like. Like and and you can't in in the oh it's on EJ he didn't do this and that like we get it you guys are mad at EJ he's yeah, old he's overpaid right. he's bad you want to <laughs> be mad at EJ so everything is EJ's fault I get it but like that pairing together has been bad together both sides have been equally bad right and like anytime they I think that EJ is doing a lot of little things well but we're seeing the big mistake yeah it's and it, when there's no offense to make up for it this is the tyson berry conversation right. that we had for years if you only Look, got one dimension it has to be a good dimension right like if if you're gonna be bad defensively you have to be great offensively yep. and ej right now is making the big mistake he's doing a lot of little things that i like really well but he'll make the big mistake but there's no offense to go right. with it if, if you do all the little things in the world and you don't get anything out of it you're valentushkin Right, and you can't be a top pairing defenseman and be Val Nichushkin. Exactly. I mean, Val Nichushkin can't be playing sixteen, seventeen minutes a night and be Val Nichushkin. It's just not good enough. It, right. The the reality of that, and to move away from the negative for a second, Vlad Kamenev has four points in ten games. Which really, which really, you and I talked about yes. this off air last exactly. night after we were done, but it really drives home how offensively inept Val Nichushkin is. Yeah. 
And, like, there are lots of things that he has done that make you – that makes it palatable. Yep. And given the injuries and all that, like, he's stepped up and he's been able to play a role. But when this team gets back to healthy, he can't be in the lineup. I don't – He he's Gabe Bork. His offensive production is Gabe Bork. You replace Gabe Bork with Gabe Bork. Right. The difference is, is that Gabe Bork was their 10th best forward, and now Val Nachushkin is their 14th. Exactly. So there's no reason. <laughs> and I, I tell mean, you, if Logan O'Connor and TJ Tynan keep playing yeah. the way that they have, he might be their 16th. I loved Logan O'Connor's forecheck the other night. He was, was awesome great. last night. I want to see him in a game that's not in front of the hometown crowd. True. With the fans, with with his family and friends and the you extra know, hype behind exactly. everything. The, I yeah. mean, how many times have we seen Tyson Jost blow it up in Edmonton? Yeah. You know, <laughs> true. We are like, oh my gosh, Tyson Jost is suddenly dope. He gets into Western Canada. <laughs> he thinks he's in the BCHL again. You know, and the guy goes off, and yeah. then he goes to anywhere else in the league, and it's hit or miss. He, I want to see. I want to see LOC back in the lineup tomorrow against Minnesota, and I want to see how he does because if he plays that way again. I mean, that's another guy that you start to feel a little bit more comfortable. Hey, all right, you string a couple of performances together. Let's yep. do this. Yep. But again, you have to produce. Right. You cannot be a forward that doesn't score. You just can't be. The whole point of getting better and deeper and, and more skilled 1 through 12 is that you can score 1 through 12, yep. not 1 through 11, and the 12th guy is nice defensively. Right. That was... You were willing to accept that with someone like Belmare, who was blowing his career pace out of the water. But. Right, like a 15-point guy. Right. You were fine with it because he was going to kill penalties. He was going to win face-offs. Yeah. He was going to fill in gaps that existed. The Val Nichushkin on the wing thing does not add anything. Right. And with Kamenev already double his point production in almost half the games, really drives home what a skilled player is. Yep, and I think Val and I, I, th- I think Vlad Kamenev is a bottom six guy, but a skilled bottom six guy versus, I guess, a big and almost but not quite a, kind of occasionally guy. <laughs> yeah. physical, right. yeah, but lacking in skill. Like I'm blown away that that guy had a thirty point season right. in the NHL. It's, watching him play, he's. <laughs> I get it from the point of he finds ways to get involved in quality plays. Yeah, I don't get it from the the skill perspective at all the hands aren't very good yeah. and there's no finish and like i, f- I feel bad because we're, we're coming down on him here but it does drive it home came up has four points in 10 games yeah it, and it, this was a guy that was was behind nichushkin in the line yep and nichushkin has two points in i think 17 games and i believe i i need to double check but i believe last night was 91 in a row yeah and i'm like dude how this is not a guy playing six minutes a night. He's almost there. Another game and a half, and I make my money on the over. Oh, you took nice. Yep. So I mean, with ten minutes and one second left in the second period of Toronto, the Toronto game, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I thought it was going to happen in Edmonton because they were getting blown out, and it was going to be a goal. It that would be matter. like a worthless goal, yeah. Yeah, and it's you know we have a we have a DM thread going in which we've been <laughs> making predictions about what kind of goal it will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a specific one picked out, and if it happens, we're going to laugh and we're going to tell the world. But until that moment, it won't happen. But I really hope it does. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> glorious, and. I guess this kind of circles back around to 
Timmons in the defensive conversation. We've seen Ryan Graves. He took five penalties in four periods a couple games ago. Right. Much better last night. He was much better. And it's kind of the, the give and take of trying to balance the scales. Mm-hmm. You're having Sam and EJ struggle. Sometimes Graves will have a bad night. Sometimes Cole will have a bad night. Sometimes Zadorov will have a bad night. And all those guys had good nights last night. Right, exactly. And one penalty between them, and it came in the last minute. And I didn't really have a problem with the penalty. Like, it sucks that it happened because it's just like, of course. But, like, it came in like a crazy, mad scramble, desperate. And then he immediately makes up for it by laying on top of a puck in front of an empty net. Where it was like – and when we talked about rule changes last week – Last night was the exact <laughs> example yep. to pick because they only had to kill 20 seconds of a penalty. Right. They could have had a full two minutes of six on four instead. That, 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 Ian, that Ian Cole penalty was totally worth it, if only because it got the automatic stoppage on that scramble of a play. I mean, not only that, it gives you free shots at the empty net, too. No icing. <laughs> well, that's where you need Nachushkin on the ice. There you, that's a Nachushkin goal. That's an option for yeah. sure. I don't think, uh, well, I mean, whatever. It's a PK situation, but he's played a little PK yeah, for Yeah, I was going to say, he's been playing PK, so. I mean, the the PK depth has been an adventure. <laughs> well, and those guys, I mean, you were talking about going through. Yeah. You know, Belmar's been sick, and yep. he's been in and out with the concussion. Calvert's Now out. Calvert's gone, and you're just having, you know, uh, Comfort took a, a penalty the other day, yep. and, like, he was he was now in the box, and you're just like, all right, this is this is really getting wild. When here. you're when you're rolling a, a PK forward pairing of Kadri and Nachushkin, you're like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what has happened? Kadri looked a little bit, yeah, a little uncomfortable at times. <laughs> it got adventurous to say the least. Yeah, but... just win the face off, clear the puck, and get off the ice. <laughs> right. You don't need to be out. And if you and if you lose the face off, just just skate to the bench. Just leave. Just, yeah, it's fine. Accept it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. We say all this, and the Avs are still winning. They're winning these games where, you know what, this guy had a bad game. You know what, these guys had a bad game. Outside of that five-game losing streak, they're 13-1 and... 13-2-1 and one this year. 13-2-1, and one, is that it? Yeah, Yeah, 13-2-1 and one outside of the five-game losing is, streak. I mean, that's that's Washington. This is why we said this is top three team in the league last night. This is yeah. why we've been having these conversations. That's. I mean, that's all I got, unless you got final yeah. thoughts. I mean, life is good right now. Life is good. I'm very, very curious how things go tomorrow in Minnesota because the fifth game of five-game road trips have not gone in their favor. They have gotten beat down in multiple of them in the last two years. And you just wonder, like, does it finally catch up to them or do they just keep rolling? And what which Minnesota team are you going to see? Because there, yeah. Minnesota, I believe, is – Five one and two now. I think they're they really just won good at, at home. home yeah, and, but they just haven't played at home. They're three and ten on the road, but they've been very good at home. And so you look at them at the bottom of the standings, and you're like, cakewalk time. But like, this is a team that hasn't played home games. I think they played seventeen of their first twenty eight on the road, on the season. So yeah. them having a tough start, predictable. Now that they're getting some home games and they're getting they're getting to even it out a little bit, I think that that's a team that you have to watch out for just a little bit. It's still Minnesota, but they're a different club at home, like a lot of bad teams. Well, they haven't had Dr. Dre and Nate Dog come in and, and end them at home yet. That's true. So, because right now, those two are just... Mm, I mean, mm. 
game starts off last night and they make a play immediately and you're just like, I mean, what can you say? <laughs> what you can say is that type of play would be game changing. Boom. Nice. Strava Craft Coffee yes. is the coffee we're excited to tell you about. Their CBD coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it more to our listeners. Be sure to go and check out their reviews because they are amazing. Their CBD coffee has really changed lives. It's helped decrease anxiety, reduce back pain, help with migraines, and a bunch of other amazing stuff as well. It's helped me with my migraines. It I don't get them very often anymore, thankfully, but when I do have one, it's like trying to go into a dark room and I just don't want to do anything for the rest of the day. And it really does help reduce that type of pain for me. So, again, an- another sponsor here that we love. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive, which is fantastic because Thank of, you. Yeah, right. You can you can use it and go about your day and be totally normal. And I it really is great. I these are the types of things that, like, had I known about when I was younger and dealing with migraines and stuff, it would have changed my life, like, legitimately. But I have it now, at least, so that's great. So you can check out StravaCraft at any time. You can go online and use code DNVR2019 for 20% off your purchase, and you can even get it delivered straight to your door. I guess that's it, unless you got anything else to add, AJ. Uh, I think I'm good on today. Just right. uh, excited. I'm excited to go to Minnesota. I'm flying yeah. there in the morning. I'm my first uh, first wild game. So in XL. You've never been to XL yet. Nope. Well, nice. I'm well, actually excited for this. Behind enemy lines. Yeah. Just one more arena. I can. Uh, I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get, get them the, all. Yeah. I'm trying to get the West done and, this yeah, year. There you go. Uh, and that's one of the last arenas. Uh, for me, having not been to, I think at, after this it will be Canada, and then um, San Jose. There after I go. get in Minnesota, yeah. Done. So not too many left. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna do it. If you watched live, thank you for watching. If you listened live or otherwise, thank you for listening. Tomorrow with AJ in Excel, it will be me and Evan doing the post game pod. So look forward to that, and we will talk to you then.